The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. New Song Church. How are you guys doing this morning? So good to see you. And uh, let me just say, last weekend was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Easter Sunday here at New Song Church. I'm excited to announce today that we had over 900 people here at New Song. I think 921 people came. And uh, so thank you, all of you who invited people, who brought people. And I want to say this too, because I know some of you, maybe you invited somebody and they didn't show up and that can feel a little disappointing, right? But, but here's the thing. We, we invited several people. Some came, some didn't. Uh, but here's the thing. You, you never know what that seed can produce. And it may not have been this time that they came, but it may be the next time that they come. And so either way, I think that we want to continue to be a church full of bringers, full of inviters, full of people using the platform of influence God has given us. And so I say to you today, thank you for all that you did. What an incredible weekend we had. Thank you so much for being a part of that. And and because of that, I'm sure we've got some new faces in here this morning, some people who are new to New Song. So glad that you came back. And and I want to tell you about something. Next Sunday night, we have a class called Next Steps we're going to have here at New Song Church. And uh, we would love for you to come to that. Next Steps is all about helping you to, to come into the family of New Song Church, to hear our story, and to get connected. And I believe that Next Steps can change your life. I really do. Because I've seen it do it. I've seen it because here's, here's what the Word of God tells us. It tells us that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And if you come to New Song Church, you're going to hear me say that a lot because I know it to be true. I've seen it. People who put their roots down... They, they see God produce fruit in their life, fruit that affects their life and fruit that connects and affects other people's lives. So, so through Next Steps, you kind of learn how to get connected here, how to be a part of the body of, of Christ and be a part of this body of believers uh, to get connected in, in, into small groups, to get connected on the serve teams, to get connected so you can flourish and fulfill the purpose that I believe God's called you to to walk in. So uh, next Sunday night, that'll be going on. You can register newsongpeople.com slash next. You can register through the app. You can also sign up in the lobby. Uh, we'll have food for you. So if you come, we'll feed you fuzzies, tacos for all the adults. We got pizza for the kids, free childcare. So if nothing else, you got a free babysitter and a free meal. All right. So make sure if, if you've never been to next steps, we'd love for you to come uh, next Sunday night. I also want to welcome all of you who are watching online right now. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Uh, we're so glad to have you. Let's welcome everybody online with us this morning. Come on, church. We're beginning a brand new series today called Declutter Your Life. And it's a very fitting series, I think, for the season we find ourselves in. It's springtime, right? And it's springtime typically. Uh, we find ourselves doing a little bit of, of what's called spring cleaning. And in fact, yesterday, I don't know if it's the series or what, but we did some spring cleaning at my house. Sarah got up and started cleaning out closets. I'm actually remodeling our laundry room right now. We spent hours working to, to spring clean our house. And spring cleaning is all about kind of reorganizing, redesigning, rethinking, rejuvenating our home. And, and so we do all these things we don't normally do. We air things out. We throw things away, amen? Amen. (laughs) We give things away. We clean things we don't necessarily always clean, like the windows, the refrigerator. We we go into these areas of our life and we we work to declutter them. 
Uh, and this is, you know, something we do, and it's actually something that's very popular right now. In fact, there's a, there's a show on Netflix right now called Tidying Up. Maybe some of you have seen that show. It's hosted by Japanese tidying up guru Marie Kondo, and uh, it's an interesting show. Like, <laughs> yeah, she prays to the house, which, you know, that's not a thing, okay, so you know, but... Um, but it's an interesting show in that she, she helps, she goes to these houses and she helps people clear out the clutter in their home so that they can, you know, experience a better life. They can have a better life. And, and, and the reason it's so good is because, uh, and, and why this is so important is because like studies will tell you the more, the more, uh, the more, the more you get rid of the junk, the less stress you're going to have in your life. Like the more you clear the mess, the more you reduce the stress. And typically, here's what's amazing. The, the average American home has over 300,000 items in it. 300,000 items in it. That's crazy. And what's, what's wild is we, we don't use a lot of them. We only really interact with a few of them. A lot of them are just in our house taking up space. And so this series is kind of about kind of looking at spring cleaning and, and, and taking that, that idea and moving it into our life. Because how many of you know it's great that you have a really you know, decluttered house, but what's even better is that uh, your schedule is decluttered and that your, your values are not clouded and that you have the energy you need to walk in the relationships that God's called you to. Like, that's really what, what this is about. So, so one of the things I've learned about God and learned about Jesus in particular is Jesus was all about simplicity and simplifying things. If you look at the life of Jesus, uh, what he did through his life, he lived a fairly simple life. And then after he, he, one of the marks of his life is that he made stuff so much more simple. For, for example, forgiveness in particular. Like that's one of those things that Jesus really simplified. Before Jesus, if you wanted forgiveness of sins, you had to bring a perfect lamb on the perfect day of the year and sacrifice, kill this thing in the perfect way in order for your sins to be covered. And if you didn't do everything perfectly, then it didn't work. And you'd have to wait till the next year. Your sins wouldn't be covered. And it, it just didn't work. Now, because of Jesus, we can call upon the name of the Lord and we can be saved, right? And we can do that anytime, anywhere. Jesus simplified things, didn't he? Uh, before Jesus, um, our relationship with God was a lot more complex. You couldn't have a connection to God directly. You had to work through a mediator. You had to have somebody to talk to God for you, to talk on God's behalf to you. Now, because of Jesus, you can have a relationship with God. You can talk to God directly. He can talk to you. You can hear from God. You can be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus simplified things. In fact, there's a story in Matthew 22, Matthew 22 where Jesus uh, has this interaction with this Pharisee. And this Pharisee comes to him and asks him this question. He says, what's the most important law? Like, what's, what's the most important thing for us to be following? Now, this Pharisee, which were the religious leaders of the day, he's asking him this question. It actually tells us that he was trying to trip Jesus up, which is an interesting thing to try to do with the Son of God. But anyways, he's trying to do that. And so he asks this question. And when he asks this question, he's not just speaking to the Ten Commandments. He's actually speaking to over 600 laws and rules that the, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, had, had put together that were all based on different things in the Old Testament. And, and what they would say is, if you can't follow all 600 of these rules, then you're in big trouble. And so he's asking Jesus, which one's the most important? He's trying to trick him. This is what Jesus says, verse 37. Jesus replied... To this question, here's what he says. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment, verse 39. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at verse 40. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus, check it out. He takes over 600 things and he boils them down to two. He simplifies things, doesn't he? Makes it much more simple. You, you can take all 600 and it really, this sums up all 600. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, your strength. And then you love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus simplified things. And what we see in the life of Jesus is the more you narrow your focus, the more you broaden the impact of your life. The more you narrow the focus of your life to doing what God's called you to do, there's a lot of things to do. How many agree on that? But what's God called you to do? The more you narrow your focus, the more you can actually broaden the impact that your life can have in this world. See, the the answer to fulfilling the life God's called you to is not in cluttering up and clouding up your life with all this multitasking. It's in narrowing the focus to do what God has really called you to do. And so that's what this series is about. We want to simplify things. We want to help you to experience what, what you're trying to do in your home, bring a refreshing and a renewal and a rejuvenation to it. We want to do that to your life. Okay. So one of the ways we're going to do this is we're going to, every week, we're going to compare parts of your life to parts of your home that maybe need to be decluttered. And, and maybe there needs to be some change there. Things need to be thrown away. Things need to be rethought. We're going to look at that together. Okay, so today I brought with me something that we all have in our home. That's an area of our life that's probably a little cluttered that needs to be decluttered. And that is this. This is a junk drawer. How many of you in here this morning would be honest enough to say that I have a junk drawer. Would you raise your hand? How many of you would be really honest and say, I got more than one junk drawer? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us do. So this is, this, is, this is actually our junk drawer from the Blunt Home right here. One of several that we have. And so, uh, so we're gonna take a look at this this morning, kind of see what we have to find in here. So first of all, um, let's see, we've got some pencils in here. And these pencils, I don't know if you can see this, but none of them are sharp. <laughs> so now the good news is there actually is a sharpener in here. So these can be put to use. So there's that. Uh, here's a ketchup packet <laughs> in the junk drawer, which is interesting because this junk drawer is literally 10 feet away from our refrigerator where there's an entire bottle of ketchup. But just in case this got kept somehow, um, Here's a balloon that's used. You can, you can see the hole in it, I, it but it's, it's in the junk drawer. There it is. Here's, here's a junk drawer staple. I bet most all of you have this in your junk drawer. You need, to, you need to tack something up in your house, so you need a tack. Where are you going to go? You're going to go to the junk drawer, and you're going to find a little tack so you can tack stuff up. That's, that's a necessary thing in there. Uh, there's batteries in here. This is a good one. This is, this is Sarah's little secret chocolate Ben, and uh, she, she, she keeps this because pretty much every night you'll see her after dinner sneak over to the junk drawer with her back turned to the children and get out her little candy and put it in her mouth. And I love that she keeps it in the junk drawer. It's like she's saying she knows she shouldn't be doing this, but she does it anyways. But there it is. Um, this is good. This is, a, uh, this, is a, this is a charging cable for an iPod shuffle that we don't own. But if we ever have one, whenever, I don't even know if they make these anymore, but if it shows up, we can charge that sucker. 
And this is such a thing, isn't it? Like I bet all of you have some cables in your home that don't go to anything that you have. But if someone shows up with a 2004 MacBook Pro, you can charge that baby. It's there. Um, Hand sanitizer, that's, you know, sometimes needed. More chocolate from Sarah. Shoe polish? I don't know. I guess maybe we pulled a prank on somebody at some point. All sorts of stuff in here. And, and here's the deal, okay? Here's the thing about a junk drawer. There's some stuff in here that's really useful. Comes in handy. Here's a lighter, you know, lighting candles, lighting Christmas candles, stuff like that. But there's a lot of stuff in here that's, that's useless. But, but one of the things that I've noticed about our junk drawer, you probably noticed this too, is there's a lot of stuff in here, serves its different purposes or serves no purpose, but generally this thing stays fairly unorganized. Like even if we need something out of it and we straighten it up just a little bit, it's never like we totally arrange it to be like exactly the way we want it. In fact, this is funny. Like we have this set of screwdrivers in here, like the tiny screwdrivers, because you know, you get those tiny screws. Sometimes you got to deal with those. You got to have the tiny screwdriver. So we've got these. And what's amazing to me is this is what they are held in. And this is in here, but these are never in it. I'll put them in, but they don't stay in there. No, no, the kids put a new battery in and it's like, well, okay, yay, that was fun. <laughs> so it's the junk drawer, right? And, and here's the thing I've noticed about a junk drawer, okay? Here's the truth about junk drawers that you need to understand this morning that's gonna apply to you. The junk drawer is a junk drawer and it's treated like a junk drawer because we have labeled it the junk drawer. We got a lot of different drawers in our kitchen. None of them are like this one. This one's different and we treat it different. And we expect different out of it. And we're not surprised when it's junky because it's the junk drawer, right? So we've labeled it that. That's what we expect of it. And so that's what we get out of it. And we're not surprised by that. Now, here's why this is important. Because a lot of us experience junk in our life. And sometimes that junk that happens in our life, what happens is we begin to embrace that junk. And we even begin to label our life based on that junk. And so then junk continues to happen in our life and we're not surprised by it because we see our life as being junky. We've identified some junk in our life and maybe that junk has become our identity. And so we're not surprised by junk. In fact, we've come to expect junk. You guys following me this morning? And, And this is one of the major issues that I see today in people people in the church and people outside of the churches is, is we have things happen to us. We have our hurts, we have our hangups, we have our, our mistakes, we have sins that we do, we have things that people have done to us and, and we begin to identify our life based on our junk and we live from that perspective and, and we see it and, and so we expect it. Our faith is for it. Junk is gonna happen, junk is really who I am. Junk is what I'm all about. And I want you to know this morning, this is one of the giant, biggest tools the enemy uses in our life to keep us from the life God's called you to. See, Satan is an identity thief. And he wants to steal your identity. He wants to steal away your true identity, who God's called you to be, because he knows if he can keep you from seeing yourself the way God sees you, he can keep you from the life God's called you to walk in. He can keep you from your purpose. He can keep you from your plans. He can keep you from the impact God wants to use you to to bring into this world. He can do all that if he can get you to to buy into the lie of who he says you are or who your past says you are. And so he'll use your past. 
He'll, he'll use it to keep you bitter and angry, to keep you sh- ashamed of yourself, to keep you from the life God's called you to. So the question becomes, if I'm not my junk, who am I? And I want you to know this morning, listen to me, you're not your junk. You're not your sin. You're not your hangups. That's not who you are. Here's who you are. You are who God says you are. That's who you really are. You see, Jesus died on the cross so that you could receive a new identity. And now through Jesus Christ, you can be in Christ. And because of that, you can walk in the fullness of the life God's called you to. Look at this with me. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, therefore, from now on. Everybody say, from now on. So this is speaking to after Jesus, after you've received salvation, after you've come into this new place with God. Look at this. We regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, according to your fleshly desires, according to the mistakes that you made, according to the actions and the things that you've done in the flesh. Look at this, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new. Everybody say new. He's a new creation. Check this out. Old things have passed away. In other words, they're dead. Passed away, dead, gone, buried. Behold, all things have become new. Everybody say new. If you're a Christian, God doesn't identify you by your sin. God doesn't identify you by your mistakes. He doesn't identify you by your junk. He identifies you by his son. You are now in Christ. See, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you're now in Christ and a miracle takes place. And now God sees you from that perspective of being in Christ. That, that phrase, in Christ, is, is in the Bible over 140 times. And, and most every time it's in the Bible, what you're going to find is the next verses after it speak to your identity. You are who God says you are. And any label that anybody gives you outside of who God says you are, I don't care who says it. I don't care if, if a parent said it over you, if a friend has said it over you, a boss has said it over you. I don't care if you say it over yourself. If it doesn't line up with what God says over you and you are in Christ, listen, it's a lie. It's a lie. And you got to quit attaching yourself to the lies and the junk that the enemy wants to attach you to. You're, You're not what you feel. You're not what you've done. Your identity is not in those things. Your identity is not in the successes of your life. Your identity is not in the size of your bank account. Your identity is not in the size of your house. It's not in the car you drive, whether it's good or bad. It's not in that. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so here's the thing. Who does Jesus, who does God see you as? Well, if you start to look at the Bible and start to study it, here's what you're going to find. According to God, you are someone of extreme value. You are extremely valuable to God. Look at these verses. These are amazing. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says this. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. Check this out. His treasured possession. That's how God sees you. The Bible says this in Isaiah 43, verse 4. This is God talking to us. He says, you are precious to me. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. Another version says his workmanship. We're his masterpiece, his workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Remember, you're new in Christ so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. So God sees you. When he sees you, he sees someone of value. He sees someone he treasures. He sees someone he says is a masterpiece. You say, Pastor Josh, I don't know what's wrong with God. 
But I know me and I am far from those things. That's, that's, not, that's not who I am. Well, that's who God says you are. And here's the thing. How is it that God can say that about you? You know, we, we, you know, we kind of think we know ourselves. How, how is it that, we could, that God could look at us and see the value he sees? Well, let me simplify this for you this morning because Jesus simplified things, right? So how can God say this? Well, when you really think about it, value is determined by five things. Five things determine value. And to help you understand this, uh, let me illustrate this by talking about my piano at my house. Let's say that I wanna sell the piano that we have in our home right now. In order for me to sell that, I need to determine what the value of that piano is, right? And so there's five things I have to look at in order to determine the value. Number one is the condition. What kind of condition is the piano in? Is it in good condition? Is it in fair condition? Is it in like new condition? Is it in bad condition? Is it broken? Is it, is it messed up? Is something missing? Is it damaged? Like what kind of condition is it in? Condition is gonna determine the value of this piano. All right, well, what about you? What kind of condition are you in? Well, we just read earlier, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Listen, because of Jesus, if you're in Christ, you are new Brand spanking new. In fact, you're so new that you're actually so new that you are sealed. You're sealed. I, I grew up in the, in the 80s. I was born in November of 1979, so I'm a child of the 80s. And when I was a little kid, that's when the Star Wars movies were coming out, the original ones, the really good ones. And, uh, and when these came out, uh, also with them, there were these little toys that came out from Kenner. Anybody remember Star Wars Kenner toys? Anybody my age in here? No, oh, two people. Okay, wake up, church. <laughs> How many of you remember Kenner Star Wars toys? Okay, very many of you. Now, here's the thing. If you still have some of those, they're actually worth quite a bit these days. And especially if you have some of those and they are still sealed in their original packaging. You see, here's the thing the, the, that we understand, whether we recognize it or not, we recognize that things that have been untouched by this world are worth more than things that have, right? And, and so here's the thing about you as a Christian. Look at this. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, talking about the gospel message, and you believed in him, you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Check this out. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So guess what, my friends? As far as condition is is, is concerned in your life because you are in Christ you are new you are in mint condition and you are sealed so the things of this world can't affect that truth about who you are can I get an amen, amen. so because of that you are of great value here's the second determining factor of value and that's the manufacturer the manufacturer who made the piano because here's the thing about about a manufacturer typically we understand that brand names are synonymous with the work that went into creating the product, right? And so certain names, we believe in them because we know the kind of work that they put into manufacturing something. So like with a piano, there's certain manufacturers that are worth a whole lot more, like a Roland or a, or a Clavinova or a Steinway. Like those pianos are worth a lot more than just you know, some other pianos. The brand name is synonymous. So how about you? Well, the Bible says that you have been recreated in Christ Jesus. Look at this with me, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. That's that word masterpiece I read you earlier. Remember that word? It says we've been recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. That word workmanship there 
is the word that means a thing of God's making, a work of art. So if you're in Christ, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, he has recreated you. And the work that went into recreating you was the greatest work that's ever been put forth in human history, and that is the work of the cross. So uh, according to God, when it comes to your value, if you're looking at the manufacturer, you have been manufactured, remanufactured by God, and his brand name has been stamped on your heart, and because of that, you are of great value to God. Can I get another good amen? amen? Here's the third thing that determines value, and that is providence. Providence. Providence has to do with ownership. Who's owned something? Has there been anyone in the history of this item that's owned it that was famous or powerful or significant? You know, you think about museums. You ever been to a museum before? A museum typically is full of a lot of ordinary things, but because those ordinary things were touched by extraordinary people, they're of more value, right? In fact, I've got a picture this morning. This is a piano that belonged to John Lennon. It's a little Steinway upright piano here. And, you know, it's, it's not a, like a grand piano, not even a baby grand piano. It's just, we see pianos kind of like this all the time. It's got a good brand name, but, but this piano just recently sold at auction for $2.37 million. You know why? Because it belonged to John Lennon. Because he wrote Imagine on that piano. And so because he touched that piano, because that was a part of his life, we see that piano as being something of greater value. Because he owned it, it belonged to him. I read one time that a lock of Elvis Presley's hair sold at auction for $115,000. I get haircuts every two weeks, people. (laughs) And as far as I know, as far as I know, my hair just gets swept up and thrown away. Afton cuts my hair, that's why I'm looking at her. I don't know if she's got some shrine to me somewhere made out of my hair. That could be possible, I'm not sure, but... No, my hair just gets thrown away. But, but his hair is sold at auction for 100. Why? Because it belonged to Elvis. And so the, the thing is, what we see in that is the right owner owns value. And, and so here's the thing. What, what, how does this apply to you? Well, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, you are a people belonging to God. 1 John 4, 4 says, you belong to God. And since the right owner adds value and the greatest owner in all of the history of everything, God, now you belong to him. Now, because of that, you are of great value. You're greatly valued. Here's the fourth thing that determines value. That's rarity. Rarity. How many of these are out there? Like with my piano, how many were made? Is this like, are are these hard to come by? Are they rare? Are they hard to find? Is this a one of a kind? Because typically stuff like that, you know, is worth a little bit more value. Well, in my piano's case, uh, there's a lot of these made, so it's not of that great value. But what about you? The Bible says in Psalms 139 verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Wonderful. I know that full well. That verse says that you're wonderfully made. Here's what wonderfully there means. It means unique, set apart, uniquely marvelous. Here, here's the truth about you. When God created you, he broke the mold. You're the only you. You're the only you that will ever exist. No one thinks like you. No one looks like you. No one acts like you. No one is living in this world at the time you're living. You are uniquely you. You're a one of a kind. And because of that, you're greatly valued. And here's the fifth thing that determines value, and that is the market. Market. In other words, what's someone willing to pay for this this item? You know how much my piano's worth? 
Here's how much my piano's worth. It's worth exactly what someone is willing to pay for it. And not a penny more. I may think it's worth more. I may think it's worth less. But it's worth exactly what someone is willing to pay to purchase it. Okay, so once again, what about you? Well, the Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ bought us with his blood. That speaks to the sacrifice that was made for you on the cross. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, don't you know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? So this is talking about people who've made Jesus the Lord of their life. You're not your own. Verse 20, you were bought at a price. That price is the price that was paid at the cross by Jesus Christ for you. 1 Corinthians 7, 23, you have been bought and paid for by Christ Jesus. You wanna know how much you're worth? Look at the cross. You're of such value to God that he was willing to come to this earth, put on skin, lay down everything he had in heaven, and then sacrifice his life for you to purchase you. And so what I want you to see this morning is if these are the five things that determine value, guess what? If you're in Christ, you tick every box. And because of that, you are of great value. You're not junk. You're not your mistakes. You're not the things that have been done to you. You're not your sin. You're not junk. You're of great value to Jesus Christ. And you, you gotta get to that place where you really come to believe that because in, unless you do, you're gonna keep living with this junk drawer mentality. And you're gonna, you're gonna keep going back and, and living from that and expecting that and having faith for that. And it's gonna keep you from who God's called you to be. So, so what do we do? Because here's the truth for every one of us in here. We all have some junk in the trunk, Right? I'm not gonna make you turn to the person beside you and say that because I could get inappropriate, but it's true. We all got some junk in our lives, some stuff that has been done to us, that we've done, some mistakes, some sins, some of that stuff. So what do we do with it? How do we, how do we move on? How do we move past it? What do we do? Well, Paul gives us a, a recipe for this in Philippians chapter three, verse 13 and 14. He says this. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, Paul gives us two things in this verse that we're to do. If we got some junk in our life, two things that you're going to have to do. Number one is you're going to have to choose to forget. You're going to have to choose to forget about some of this stuff that's in your past. You're going to have to choose to move past it, to, 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 choose, to, to lay it down. Paul says this to us. Now, here's the thing. When Paul said this to us, you know, we know Paul as being the greatest apostle who ever lived. We know Paul as being the guy who wrote two-thirds of the theology of the New Testament. We know Paul as, as being the guy who helped bring the gospel message to the Gentile people, to the non-Jews. I mean, we know Paul as being this incredible man of God, right? But Paul had some junk in his life. Paul had a pretty serious past. You see, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. Saul was a bad dude. In fact, Saul... Uh, was someone who would terrorize and, and, and even kill Christians. He, he hated the message of Jesus Christ because it messed with who he believed God was. And so he was someone who was going after Christians and, and torturing them and hurting them and trying to squash this message of the gospel. One that he would later champion at one point in his life, he was trying to destroy it. In fact, there's a story in Acts chapter seven where we see Paul directly responsible for the stoning of a Christian named Stephen. A guy that was, who was just trying to share the message of Jesus. 
Then two chapters later, Paul's on his way to Damascus and he's on his way there to persecute more Christians, to try to do more to do damage to the, the gospel message. And on his way there, he has an encounter with Jesus. Thank God for encounters with Jesus, right? And out of this encounter with Jesus, everything changes and he becomes the Paul we know him to be today. But don't you know that even after that happened, that Paul still probably had to deal with some of his past. As he's now the guy who's championing this message of the gospel, don't you know from time to time he would think about the people that were trying to do that, that he killed, that he tortured, that he did damage to? I I bet you Maybe Paul, when he was trying to go to sleep sometimes, the enemy would remind him and he would even see in his mind's eye the images of Stephen being stoned, of those stones ripping his flesh apart, crushing his bones, crushing his skull, ultimately killing him as he cried out to God. Paul had some junk in his life and listen, that is what he had to forget about. And he had to choose to forget because listen, if he wouldn't have, he would have never become who God called him to be. He would have never walked into the future God had for him if he would have remained chained to the past mistakes of his life. He had to choose to forget about those and move on. And here's what I want you to see this morning, church. You're gonna have to choose to forget about this stuff. We suffer some losses in our life. We suffer some some pain in our life. We deal with stuff. And, And God hasn't called you to stay there. What he's called you to do is learn from those Lessons, learn and, and leverage those lessons, but don't linger in the loss. That is good, you're right. <laughs> don't linger there, don't stay there. God hasn't called you to stay there. If you stay there, you can't step into what God has for you. Yes, God can make all things work together for your good. He wants to take those things, He wants you to learn from that so you can move to new levels and help other people, but you can't linger in the loss. You gotta. You gotta move forward with the Lord. And that leads us to the next thing Paul tells us to do, which is he tells us to press on. You gotta press on. Verse 14, he says, I press on. In other words, here's what Paul's saying, church. Here's what you need to hear. Don't stop where you feel stuck. Don't stop there. Don't make camp there. One of my favorite quotes is, is Winston Churchill. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. That's a great piece of advice right there. Don't stay there. You know, we all suffer from mistakes. The Bible tells us this in in James 3 verse 2. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. We make mistakes. And because we all make many mistakes, people make mistakes that affect you. So maybe you find yourself in in, in a place today where there's some junk and some of it is mistakes you've made and some of it is mistakes other people have made, abuses and wrongs that were done. They were, it was wrong. It was, it was awful and wrong. I'm not saying that's not the truth, but what I'm saying is we all have these mistakes. The truth, but here's the thing you got to come to terms with. What are you going to do with them? Are you just going to camp out there or are you going to move forward with the Lord? You see, as I was studying for this message this week, God, God said something to me. And I believe this is for some of you here this morning. You need to hear me when I say this. Some of you, God says you're embracing your junk. Now, when I say you're embracing your junk, here's, here's what I mean by that, okay? Uh, obviously, God wants to, to use your testimony, and it's okay to look at your testimony, to look at who you were before Jesus and the work that he's done and be able to say, I once was lost and now I'm found. That's, that's good. That's leveraging and learning from those lessons and moving forward. But some of you are lingering in that loss, and, and you kind of like it. You, you wear your junk 
like a little blanket that comforts you, that you're able to use to excuse away some of the behavior of your life. Or maybe you wear it like a badge of honor. You kind of like the attention that it gets you. Now listen, I know this isn't fun to hear, but it's true. And I tell you this because I love you and God wants you free. And you can't be free if you find comfort in the junk. You gotta let that stuff go. You gotta move on. You know, there, there's, there's stuff like Alcoholics Anonymous. There's organizations like that that exist out there. And listen, if, you, if you're someone who went through Alcoholics Anonymous and found freedom through that, uh, that's awesome. I don't think everything about Alcoholics Anonymous is bad. But there's one thing that Alcoholics Anonymous says that I don't agree with at all because it's not biblical. And that is this. They'll, they'll have you kind of identify yourself based on that. So for the rest of your life, you live your life saying, Hi, my name is Josh, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm going to identify myself based on my alcoholism. That's how I see myself. That's who I am. Listen, that's identifying yourself from your junk. God doesn't want you doing that. Defining your life by what someone did to you, by what you've done, that is not a biblical approach to life. Jesus didn't die on the cross to set you free so that you could wear your junk around like a blanket that comforts you and excuses away well, that's why I do what I do. You, you don't know how I was... Re- Listen, who the Son has set free is free indeed. Is that true for you or not? It can be if you'll choose to release that stuff to the Lord. See, here's what God wants to do. It's kind of like, like the junk drawer here, okay? There's stuff in here. Some of it's useless. Some of it needs to be completely thrown away, but there is some stuff that can be useful. But in order for it to be useful, it's kind of like this pencil here. This pencil is something right now, it's not of a lot of use, but if I'll let God be the sharpener, he can, he can begin to do a work on me. And what was once broken, what was once useless can become something that can be used by the Lord to, to touch other people and to help other people. But it only happens if we're willing to release it into God's hands and trust him with it and allow him to renew it and rejuvenate and resurrect us into something greater. So, so here's what I want you to see this morning. Here's what's so important. Don't stop where you feel stuck. Don't allow the junk drawer to define you. You're not your junk. You're not your mistakes. You're not your sin. You're not your mess. You are who God says you are. Who does God say you are? Here's who he says you are. Get ready to get excited. You are his child. You are not condemned. You're an heir with Christ Jesus. That's awesome. You're you're wise, righteous, and redeemed. That's what God's word says. You are made new. You're free. You're free. Not you will be free. You're free now if you choose to be. You are holy and blameless. You're forgiven. You are complete. You're not looking for someone to complete you or something to complete you. You are complete right now in Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. You're complete. You're a citizen of heaven. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. You are special and unique. This is just a few of the things that God says about you. So guess what? If that's what God says about you, that's the truth. And let God be true and everyone else a liar. So so any label, listen, any label today that anybody has placed on you, whether it's your parents, your father, if if your father said it, your mother said it, if you're saying it over yourself, guess what? If it doesn't agree with what God's word says, they lied to you. It's junk. Throw it away. Quit living from that junk and live the free life that God has called you to. You are not junk. You are who God says you are. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to invite you to do something this morning. 
I want to invite you right now to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you some questions. And as I ask these questions, and I encourage you right now, if we can, let's, let's be still in this room. Let's keep the doors closed for, for just a moment here so we can kind of create this atmosphere that the Holy Spirit can move. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But I believe God wants to speak to you. Now, listen, if you're new to the church, you're new to the things of God, you're new to this. When I talk about God speaking to you, it's not going to be like all of a sudden a light shines on you and you hear this booming voice from heaven that says, Jonah. No, that's not going to happen. Okay. God, it's just going to be like this. It's going to be like a thought. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to invite you to let God speak to you. And I want you to just listen. And, and if the thoughts that you get after these questions, if they're encouraging you, if they bring freedom to you, if they're moving you forward, then that's the Lord. God's not going to push you backwards. He's going to move you forward, okay? So here's the first question I want you to ask yourself. Am I believing a lie about my identity? And if so, what is it? Just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you are hearing right now that you're useless. Maybe you're being reminded of a moment in your life when someone said something to you that hurt you. Maybe you didn't even remember it until just now. I've been in moments like this where God reminded me of something that I thought I forgot, but I was living from it. What's a lie that you're believing about your identity? Okay, here's the next question. I want you to invite God to speak into your life. If that's a lie, then who do you say I am? say about me Lord we thank you for your Holy Spirit we thank you Lord that you speak to us thank you God you're not a silent God that your sheep hear your voice thank you Lord okay your head's still bad eyes closed just stay in this moment for just a moment more I want 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 to do something. If, if you're here today and you ask that question, that first question, a lie that you're believing and God showed you something, what do you do with it? Here's what you do with it. You release it to the Lord. You cast it on God. First Peter 5, 7 says that we cast all our cares on the Lord, all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. What happens is when you cast your care on the Lord, now you can receive his care. You're to cast it. And if you know anything about fishing, in order for you to cast something, you got to let it go. <laughs> like you can if you're, if you're casting a line out, there's a moment when you've got to take your thumb off that button and you've got to release it. Because if you don't, it ain't casting. And what I believe God's inviting you to do today is to release it, to let it go. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what God's spoken to your life. I don't, I don't know. It may be really ugly, really dirty, really bad. But I know this, the answer is not in holding on to it. It's not in finding comfort in it. It's not in seeing yourself through it. The answer is in releasing it to the Lord. So I'm going to pray over you right now. And as I do, I want you to just see yourself giving that to God. See yourself laying at the feet of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for everyone in here. I thank you for the identity that we find in Jesus Christ today, that we are in Christ. And if we're in Christ, we're new creatures. We're of great value. You've created us for significance and impact. So, Lord, I just pray over those who are releasing these problems, this junk. Lord, we give you our junk. We cast it at your feet. We release it to you, Lord. We're not going to pick it up anymore. We're not going to hold on to it. We, we, we release it to you. We cast it to you. We thank you, Lord, as we do, that we receive the care you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.